In baseball, we're obsessed with all things new. April 7th, where the story begins. Today can be summed up in two beautiful words. Opening day. Today, the dream is alive. Today, anything's possible. For those who celebrate, today is full of joy. The sights, the smells, and the hope. And to those who take the field donning that halo, their names will join the many angels before them. Their names will be immortalized in bricks that can be found to this day in front of Angel Stadium. This season is different. It has to be. And if for only this evening, all will be right in the world. This season is special. The Halo fam get ready to celebrate the very magic that took place in this baseball cathedral 20 years ago. Their journey to October starts tonight. Will there be setbacks? Of course. But it helps when you just sit back and appreciate the little moments that remind us how beautiful this game can truly be. Today, a sellout crowd will join together in this new world, in our new version of normal, and celebrate to cheer on our boys in red. If for only a few hours, today is normal once again. Halo fam, this year is ours. Viva Los Angelitos! Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield with your host, Todd Fox, and the other co-host of the show. Fernando Mendez, coming at you guys from a strange location, the man cave. What? I'm actually home. And real quick, and real quick, the reason why I call it the man cave is because this isn't my bedroom. <laughs> There's some people who are like, man cave, and I'm like, well, I mean, it's a room in the house that's just for my baseball stuff. Mm-hmm. You've been there. It's not my bedroom. I don't sleep here. Oh, yeah. It's an extra room that is your man cave where you can just get away from everything and anything. Absolutely. Yep. So with that being said, we're not looking at Fernando in a hotel somewhere across America. Yeah. Uh, he's at home, like he said. So we're thankful for that. And we're thankful for you listening as we get excited. It's the 2022 Angels baseball season kickoff preview show, whatever you want to call it. We're going to get into a little bit of what we think is going to happen on the season, the roster spots, who's going to make it, who's not. Because obviously, as of tonight, uh, they have not announced the official roster. We kind of know who's going to be there, but there's a few players that might go up and down that we just don't know. So Yeah, we'll, we'll try not to make this super outdated by the time it comes out Thursday morning. So exactly. bear with us a little bit if it's a little outdated with some of the moves. Yeah, we're going to speculate a little bit, to say the least. Um, but with that being said, what do you want to start with, Fernando? Uh, well, I mean, let's first talk about like spring training overall and like what it was. I mean, what were you impressed with? Who were you impressed by? You know what? Actually, let's get to like the breaking news first before we get to that. Let's talk about the Justin Upton situation because okay. I mean, that was big breaking news when it happened. Yes, it was. What was your perception on the move? It seems like the organ, the fans of the organization, surprisingly, are pretty split. Yeah, it was more split than I thought it was going to be because I yeah. thought people would see see it for what it is. I thought people would be like, okay, you know what, this is a good move because Upton being gone, yeah, you're eating the contract, but you know what you're getting with Upton, which is about a 215, 220 average, maybe 15 to 20 home runs if he stays healthy, maybe 60 RBIs. However, you're you're taking playing time away from guys who you have under control for a while, and Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele, you'd have to platoon them this way. They they and and the one thing that I think most Angel fans that are pro Upton are missing is the fact that Adele provides you with better defense, a better arm, uh, more speed. Uh, same thing if you were to put Marsh in that spot, it's just better overall. Younger players. It's all positive with the exception of eating that damn contract. Obviously, they were probably in talks with trying to get rid of Upton, but it just didn't work. So right now, I'm very happy and pleased that their outfield is defensively much better and that Adele will not have to sit certain games. Uh, Marsh will not have to sit certain games. They can both projectably be in the lineup almost every night. One of the first things that I'll say is that this move has Perry written all over it. Perry is proving that he wants to build a winner. And some people are going to say, well, Justin Upton had a great spring. And maybe he did. But 
What I will say is Justin Upton is the odd man out completely. He mm-hmm. doesn't really have a defensive position that he excels in, which wouldn't be a big deal if we ha- didn't have a DH. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have one of the top DHs. Well, I mean, fortunately, I should say, yes. we have one of the best DHs in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. We have a guy who has the potential to be one of the most historic DHs in Major League Baseball. And we have one of the faces of Major League Baseball. But according to Miss Rizzo of MLB Network, he can't be the number one player because he's a, a pitcher. Yeah. Is what she said. Did you did you listen to that clip? Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many moronic clips out there of of just people, and she's it's another one that's just making uh claims of just i think they're headline grabbers just like stephen a smith uh yeah. he knew he knew what he was doing it just be controversial you'll get more clicks yeah you know? i mean if, if you listen to if you watch the uh, christopher russo show you're part of the problem i'll just say that yeah he's he's not the smartest tool in the shed he's a he's got the biggest east coast bias you would ever hear so yeah and uh, the, the, the one thing like this he does it every time he like yeah. grabs like his hand like he's like trying to rip his thumb out and i'm like bro did you like have do you have some kind of flesh eating virus were you hanging out with the angels old training staff exactly. are you and alex call boys <laughs> i think he's like one ratings. take away every show of having a heart attack i mean that guy just gets <laughs> way too excited yeah right um he, it's like roger lodge with like oh yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, but at least we know, you know, Lodge is doing something sexual. That's, Can you just nothing... give me one Otani Lodge, please? Okay. Just... Oh, Tony, deep to right field. Oh, run. Oh, yeah. Dude, I remember when uh, Roger Lodge <laughs> did uh, color, or was it color commentary? Or did he do play-by-play for like a weekend? Yeah, I think he did play-by-play. He was absolutely a couple years ago. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. It was a couple years ago. I think it, it might have been a failed experiment. There was a uh, if if I could go back in time and do it again, I would do a drinking game of uh, how many times he mentioned blind date on those broadcasts because okay. I'm pretty sure we'd be drunk by like the sixth inning. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> smashed. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. All I'm finding out is uh, post WrestleMania party. Uh, we can put it down. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was certainly not a dry night. <laughs> for sure um, yeah, and that's by the way what we didn't put an episode on sunday apparently every single person on our network is like a huge wrestling fan mm-hmm. and you know wrestlemania is one of the biggest wrestling days of the year so uh mr todd came over you know randy was watching from home because you know he lives up north same with chase so uh it was a big day in the uh for the hitty group i think even james was checking it out too if i'm not mistaken oh, well, there you go yeah, yeah so um yeah so we, we decided we might as well just postpone it for the opening day episode yeah. where we go back to, you know, twice a week. Oh, one, one real quick thing I wanted to hit on is also that Upton move opened up Taylor Ward because he's yes. been knocking on the door last year. And I think this year, him being the fourth outfielder just makes sense. And he's had a terrific spring. The, the hitting coaches have been saying, you know, when, when Nacho boy's not actually eating his nachos, he's been saying, Hey, you know what? His his swing looks better. He's more confident, and it's true. He, uh, Jeremy Reed and both Sorrento said that he's doing really good in spring. His approach is completely different from years past, so that's something to be positive too. I think, like you said, it smells like Perry. I think he saw the writing on the wall. The pros outweigh the cons, and you know what? Business is business, unfortunately, and that's you can't fall in love with a player just the name on the jersey. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that. Um we're slowly starting to realize we're finally starting to get to the point where like the guys that we've interviewed are now getting higher and higher in the Niners. Mm-hmm. And we saw it with Packy. He's the very first player we've ever, ever interviewed to be DFA. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, waived outright waived and claimed by the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. So best of luck to Packy. So that was kind of like our first insight to, Oh, that's right. This is a business. And we got fortunate because when they DFA Justin Upton, they made room for Ty Buttry. Now Ty Buttry's on the Salt Lake City Bees. Ty Buttry's obviously, you know, friend of the show, uh, good guy. Him and his wife do some great work. Make sure to check out Behind the Lights Outreach to see the various projects they do out in St. Thomas. They do some pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And he'll be on the roster before you know it. You know, oh, he, absolutely. He, he'll be. He'll. He will make 
the bullpen at some point this year. I feel like whether that's by injury or just by performance, hopefully that's the way it goes. Hopefully it's by performance. Absolutely. He'll probably be tearing it up down there and you can't hold a guy down there with that much major league experience anyway. That, I mean, he's, he's got too much good stuff to, to be dangling around AAA for very long. Yeah, that breaking ball nasty this year. Just saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of that, uh, did you want to get into the roster? Or, or no, you said you want to talk about spring training first. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, we won the Cactus League title again, <laughs> the theoretical Cactus League title. We were 11 and 6. Um, Texas was 10 and 6. And uh, Chicago Cubs were 11 and 7. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's kind of where we were there. Arizona also won 11 games, but they lost 10. Yeah. you know we had the least amount of losses the most amount of wins so we win the fake cactus league title and the reason why i say unfortunately is because we tend to win that a lot which gives us a lot of false hope heading into every single year it happens all the time and it hardly ever pans out for us and it hasn't panned out in a very long time but one thing i will say is this is the most depth i've ever seen in this organization with more recent memory, mm-hmm. you know, we have guys like Jack Mayfield, Stefanik, you know, Taylor Ward who have seemingly earned their way on the roster. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. You know, Griffin Canning got hurt, but it wasn't assumed that he was going to make the roster like in years past. You know, you had guys like Kenny Rosenberg, you had guys like Ty Buttery who had to try to work their way into the organization uh, you know, at the major league level. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to pan out like that for Kenny Rosenberg right off the bat. Ty Buttry, obviously, because he was on the restricted list, had to be reactivated, so he has to go get his time in AAA. But what I'm saying is these guys, maybe two or three years ago, were guaranteed chew-ins. You know, obviously, Ty Buttry made it. Kenny Rosenberg, if he was here back then, might have made it right out of camp mm-hmm. because the team was so thin. But now, that's not the case. Those guys have to fight. Jose Rojas, might not make it in this year yeah which which he had a pretty good spring the, the thing i would say that's different from this spring even though the wins and you know like you said we won again the, the cactus league the thing is that's different for me is every time i watched a game the, the we don't see a player like oh man you know trout's not hitting any home runs or this guy's not doing that guys seem to be already coming out the gates pretty good you know like Rendon starting really hot we're hoping that he can carry it we're all predicting him and have a really good bounce back year um there's you know a lot of production from Marsh and Adele uh you know we didn't really see guys like oh this guy's like a Bellinger who can't hit the broadside of a barn uh the the pitching you know no one's really getting lit, lit up like Andrew Heaney in the uh in the first uh, few games of the um for the Dodgers you know these pitchers are you know for the most part our starting staff came out there and when they had to pitch pitch very very good you know and, and you're like okay this is very very encouraging and then guys that are trying to make the bullpen are out there competing i think what you said the the, the competition is always good and um i think if you have that good competition to where yeah you're cheering on your friends or your, your buddies in the clubhouse to do good too but you also know you have a job to do and you've got to make yourself look, shine as much as they do it creates a good atmosphere. You're trying to one up each other, but in a good way. And you're helping the team at the same uh, same time. So there's guys that look a little bit better than they did last year. Like Quijada. I know, I know I'm slaughtering that name, but his fastball looks more livelier. Like he, he looks legit from last season. Yeah. There's a lot of the young pitchers who have had really, really encouraging springs. Now, Jose Suarez did not have that great of a uh, start his last his final spring training started against the Dodgers, mm-hmm. but he was able to finish strong. He was able to finish well enough in a position to give the angels a win. This is spring training. Yes, I get it. We say it all the time. It's just spring training. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But what you do want to see in spring training is guys having strong outings, guys having good at bats, guys being selective on pitches, guys working on things that they need help with because, you know, maybe their curveball was flat last year. Maybe they didn't have a good feel of their slider. So now they're pitching their slider. They're executing and they're pitching well with that slider. Let's just say, you know, Jared Walsh wants to focus on, you know, swinging on the first pitch against lefties. Because uh, if you look on his hot hot zones, on his zone charts, you know, first pitch, lefties normally challenge him. So Mm -hmm. if he would have been in a position 
to swing on the first pitch, perhaps he's in a better situation. Perhaps he's better for it. I agree. And and again, there's the wins and losses don't matter to me. What I, what, what, what changes is you saw a couple of games early in the spring where they brought up like single a guys, rookie ball dudes that gave up the leads because they gave up five runs in one inning at the end. It, it doesn't matter. The fact is when your top guys are in there and they're performing, you could, you could lose every game in spring, but if your guys that are going to make the major league roster are tearing it up, that means a good thing. But when you win this type of games at the back end, when you're using all your double A, your triple A guys or single A guys, and you're still getting a win, that means your farm system's doing pretty good too. So that's something to take out of it. And then I saw things like this spring where several times the other team would have the shift on the angels and they're actually bunting against it. You know, we've seen Marsh do it a few times and other players. That's a change in philosophy. And that's also something good to look forward to for the regular season. Play like it's 1985. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we're actually going to try that this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, one thing that I will say that I'm really, really, really liking, and something we have not seen in a long time mm-hmm. since the social days, really, mm-hmm. they're stealing. They're being yes. aggressive. Yes. The base running is intelligent, good quality base running. Uh-huh. They're making the defense make good plays and good throws. They are forcing the, and you know, when you do that enough times, the team, the other team starts overthinking the other teams like gets ready to throw the ball before they even have the ball in their hand. And anybody who played baseball knows if you don't focus on fielding that ball correctly, and you're automatically thinking the guy's going from first to third and you're distracted by that, you make a mistake. And then all of a sudden you might muffle the ball and then forget about getting him out of third. Now you got to try to make the throw home in the outfield which makes it a lot harder. It can all snowball effect. And, and that, that, that's a good thing. And then by the time, if you're stealing bases and you're pressuring the pitcher, the pitcher's not solely focused on the batter, that could be a problem. And then you have a Kurt Suzuki problem where the catcher's paying too much attention. He'll just throw it into center field when you're stealing a base. So <laughs> The goat um, Suzuki. Yeah, there, there is a <laughs> lot of good. And I don't know if you've noticed this too, bro, with, with Upton being gone, Stassi's the slowest dude on your – on your lineup right now and that's not a, absolutely that's not a bad thing you know he's yeah. not that slow he's not not for a catcher especially so so you have a lineup with a lot of speed so I'm and per- it's been a long time yes exactly and so that could be like what you're saying a lot of first to third situations a lot of stretching singles into doubles a lot of hit and runs uh, a lot of stolen bases so this could be a team that uh, on paper right now could score a lot of runs yeah i mean i'm just I'm going through the roster right now. I mean, I guess Fletcher is not the fastest, but I mean, you know, he's not super slow either. Mm-hmm. He's not a liability up there. Same with Walsh, not super fast, but he's not a liability. Like there's nobody in the lineup who's projected to be a starter who's just a turtle. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you don't have an Adrian Gonzalez. You don't have an Albert Pujols. Pujols. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I think the, the most impressive thing Pujols ever did for this franchise is set the double play record. I don't think it was a 600 home run. It was, it was definitely the double play record. That's what I'll, that's what I'll go to bed with and, and talk about in the future when he's long retired and everyone's talking about his hall of fame. I'll be like, yeah, but where did he set the record for double plays? Yeah, right, right here in Anaheim, baby. <laughs> yeah. Right. The all dubs. Yeah. All dubs. All dubs out here. <laughs> yeah. So anything else on the spring training talk or uh, we're over that now? Let me, uh, okay, so give me, uh, okay, so one being like a super, uh, super unconfident, like the worst possible, mm-hmm. and 10 being, you know, absolutely, these guys are all going to win Cy Young, which obviously isn't possible, but you get the point. How are you feeling about this fairly young starting rotation? And the reason I say that is because, you know, there's not a lot of experience mm-hmm. in our starting rotation right now. I mean, we got Otani. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Syndergaard. Mm-hmm. We've got Patrick Sandoval, Jose Suarez, Michael Lorenzen, Reed Detmers. So, you know, a lot of guys there who are still trying to completely make a name for themselves. So mm-hmm. one of 10, how confident are you in this particular starting rotation? I, I have to preference it with that little asterisk of if they're healthy. If they're healthy and we have that no issues with the new training staff, I'm about an eight right now. Okay. I, I, think, I think this staff. And you're not jinxing it for the record. I'm what? I said, a friend, I don't want to cut you off, but you're not jinxing it because you are stating a fact that the current second they are healthy. But please continue. 
Yes, <laughs> I was just gonna say, I, I, if you're gonna, if you're gonna ask me too, how do they stack up against the rest of the division? I think they're, you know, the Astros are the one A, but the Angels are very close one B. I think that rotation doesn't get enough credit. Obviously, we wanted one more power starter to go along with Syndergaard and, and Otani, but I do feel confident that Reed has taken the next step. How far that next step is, I don't know. Uh, I'm very confident in Suarez pitching, and I, I really like Sandoval. Sandoval is going to give you a lot of uh, pitches during games. He's going to hang in there like like Chuck Finley. I really like his makeup and how he pitches. I think Lorenzen's a wild card. We don't know what we're going to get out of him because he hasn't pitched in a few years, but if he can put together a good solid five to six innings, like a throwback to the 2002 Angels with Kevin Apier, who who you know battled his way through five or six every night, whether win or lose, I think that's a tremendous plus for this Angels team. And I really am, for the first time in about four to five years, am very confident in the rotation starting the season. How about you? Yeah, I think I'll hit you with a seven. Okay. Um, you know, just because, like you said, there is a health question mark going in. But at the current moment, they look good. Mm-hmm. They look healthy. And they look ready. You know, Detmers has looked really sharp. Suarez yep. has looked sharp. Sandoval has had his hiccups, but overall has looked good. I feel confident. Syndergaard, same thing. Mm-hmm. Otani is probably going to be Otani. So what I'm saying here is that this starting rotation has the potential to be a good unit for a few years. You have at least one more year of Otani after this. Mm-hmm. Syndergaard would be a free agent if he's not brought back. Yeah. And then you have the young guys who are controllable for a while. And that is how championship teams and rotations are built. You build from within. These guys now know the angel way. They've been there. This is not their first rodeo. This might be their first opening day rotation cracking because of the way things have panned out over the last couple of years. But, you know, Sandoval, Suarez, Demers, they've all been at, to the show before. See, I, I love what you said. You said they know the angel way. We have an angel way, people. We have a direction. It's not sarcastic. Oh, we got an angel way because Artie gets, you know, he spends on stupid players. No, the angel way is what you talked about. I think that, that's an awesome point you brought up. This could be some, a, a building block to something great moving forward. Because remember when the Angels brought all these players together for that championship run and a few years afterwards when they were really good at their peak, we can look at most of the roster pieces and be like, yeah, those are our guys. And I think that does a great thing for the franchise and their fans because they could see these players get drafted and grow together. And it's really awesome. Exactly. You know, I, I, the good thing is the pieces that we like, you know, the Adels, the Marshes, you know, the Demers, the guys who probably will pan out. And, you know, even if they don't fully pan out this year, like I said, they're controllable. So we're yep. going to have them. Mm-hmm. The good news is that this isn't a one year solution. This might actually open up the window. I've been telling you all off season that I think our window is about three years, mm-hmm. but now that they got that, obviously they didn't get rid of Upton. They still have to pay that salary. But now that he's not going to be stealing at bats from the younger guys, they're, they're giving Marsh and Adele the keys to the kingdom. They are saying, this is your job now. You guys are going to help get us there to the next stage. This is the year that I think we squeak into the playoffs. By now, you guys have watched the opening day video that I made that I attached to the beginning of this episode. This year is going to be different. It has to be, was the exact quote I said. And the reason for that is because for the first time in a long time, we have players who know the angel way. They were brought up in the system. They bleed red, both literally and figuratively. (laughs) You know, they bleed that shade of angel red that's just a little different. You know, and you're bringing in pieces who complement them. Bradley, Tapera, those guys complement Iglesias. Iglesias was here. Lorenzen, Loop, those guys complement what we had here. Those guys have been there. Lorenzen has pitched in playoff games. Iglesias has pitched in playoff games for the Reds. Loop, 
pitched in playoff games. Bradley pitched in playoff games. So we're bringing guys who have experience. They've been in the big games, maybe not the big game, but they've been in big games, which is something that we probably wouldn't have been able to say if we didn't bring a lot of those guys in because a lot of our young guys haven't. Trout really hasn't been in any big games. You know, he's been in three playoff games, only hit one home run in his entire postseason career. Besides that, after Rendon, there's not a lot of playoff experience. And I like the fact that what you brought up with those three pitchers that, that we brought into the bullpen to help bolster it, along with Rossiel Iglesias, who's already confident, who looked like a postseason pitcher when he was out there. He was dominant. And then you look at a guy who was setting him up and sometimes closing just a couple years ago in Mike Myers, a guy who we have confidence in when he's on fire. He could he could have a sub-2 ERA, and he could strike out guys and look very dominant while doing it. That dude is now an option to where you don't know where he, he could be coming in around the sixth inning, fifth yep. inning even. Like you got, he you could got, be a guy who's going to be on the bees like in a month. Yeah, or he could be he could be pitching in an eight nothing blowout. You know, like like yeah. you won't you won't need him in those high pressure situations, but you'll have him to get good productive outs. So this bullpen is looking very strong. I like what's going uh, forward with it, and uh, you know, um, it's it's just it's really nice to see that we've got a future and other guys that are going to be coming up and making a big difference for this franchise. Yeah, I mean, look at Austin Warren. Did great last year. We were all really confident about him this year. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, he's going to be our eighth inning guy. Now, he doesn't have to be. Not because he doesn't deserve to be or he can't. You know, I'm very confident that if he earns his way up to the eighth inning role, the Angels, I know for sure Perry would tell Joe Madden, man, you ride Austin Warren in the eighth inning right now because he's our hot hand. I don't care about Bradley or Tapera mm-hmm. or Loop. They have experience. Great. But Austin Warren is our young, controllable piece. Why? Because you can see how he does in the eighth inning because, you know, Tapera's on a two-year deal. Loop's on a two-year deal. Archie Bradley's on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's one less guy you have to bring back next year because Warren's already proving that he's ready for the show. He's yeah, ready for the big stage. Absolutely. And then Wants could be right behind him. He could take his spot. So Yeah. Don't forget, there's somebody named Ty Buttrick who's currently in Salt Lake. Yeah, you, you've, this, is, this is something, Fernando, that blows my mind. What you talked about opening up a window and making it bigger or just starting it, um, that I could easily see your point because if you look at, again, where this team was just two seasons ago when it looked like the, it was the desert as far as like pitchers, like there was, there was freaking uh, tumbleweeds because we just didn't have the arms on the rotation. We didn't have the arms in the bullpen. It was always about, well, they got the lineup, but they can't pitch, but can he pitch? It was always that saying. Now we look at Ugh. it and we're like, we're like, damn, you know, the rotation looks solid. Your confidence levels at a seven mine's at an eight. And then we're talking about, you were just throwing out arms right there. And it's like, dang, any one of those guys you mentioned can set up Iglesias and they're yeah. all in the bullpen together. So that is very, very, uh, uh, what is it called, um, appealing and optimistic for the Angel fans to look at this and say just what you said. We expect to be at least in the postseason, in the tournament. Because that's how I feel, too. I'm very confident this season. Yeah, you know, baseball is a beautiful game, man. Once you make the dance, there is no telling what you can do. Nobody's stopping you once you get into the dance in baseball. This isn't basketball. Mm -hmm. Heck, this isn't even the NFL. This is baseball. Once you get in there, Cinderella stories happen almost nonstop in baseball. Just Atlanta, just ask the Atlanta Braves, man. I mean, absolutely. Like you said with the NBA, I mean, do, do you ever feel like when the Nuggets get the number one spot or the Jazz, you're like, oh, they're going to go to the finals? No, they always get beat no. down. Gold, the cream always rises to the top in basketball. You know yep. who's going to be in the finals. Yep. It, you know, in NFL, you can say, oh, there's all these good stories. And yeah, maybe they work for a round or two. But in the Super Bowl, you know who the favorites are getting to the Super Bowl, with the exception of this year, the Bengals. But yeah, but baseball, yeah, most of the right. time it was the Patriots. You know, yeah. it was the Buccaneers. It really, whatever team Tom Brady's on is, you know, if you're a betting guy, is probably the team you're betting on, whether you want to or not. Exactly. But but like you said, um the way it's constructed now you get in you get hot it's just like hockey you can make a run i think that's the only sport that i can compare it to is is teams can just get up there and make a freaking run a goalie gets hot in hockey a pitching staff gets hot in in baseball and can shut down any i don't that's why 
I don't believe in the Yankees loading that lineup every year with power hitters. It's like that doesn't do anything but strike out once it comes postseason. I'd rather have a better bullpen and starting staff once it gets to the playoffs every time. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yep. All right. Are you ready for uh, for your predictions? Yeah, I'm ready. Or you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Or? No. So we'll, you'll go first. I'll go. And then we will insert Randy's prediction since he sent them into us. So we'll okay. start off with record. Then go ahead and tell us the pitcher and then the hitter that is your like lookout for this guy. This guy is going to be, you know, okay. my lookout for player. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go with this. I, I like 96 wins for the Angels this year. Yeah, I think I think we get 96. Uh, I love Syndergaard the way I think he's going to stay healthy all season. I think it's going to be huge for Otani's confidence that he doesn't have to carry this rotation. And uh, as far as pitchers to, to look forward to, and, and I think they're going to make the difference, I think Patrick Sandoval takes that next step. And he turns into a very good number three, maybe even gets slotted into number two. I think he's got some dominant stuff. When he's not over-pitching, he's got some really good stuff. So I'm looking for Sandoval there. And then my surprise player hitter has got to be Stefanik. Um, I was looking at Duffy at first, but I just have this crazy feeling that Duffy's going to get the nod, but Stefanik's just going to be too much to be held down. He's going to get his shot, and he's going to make the most of it. And I think he's going to turn into like a Howie Kendrick. Okay. I'm trying to uh, find Stefanik's numbers here for spring training. Because I just don't think you can hold him down. I mean, he's been he's been pretty good. He's been uh, hovering around that 320 average down in the minors the last three seasons. So I, I think he's ready to make that jump, dude. He looks major league ready to be honest with you. The only thing I would doubt is his defense right now. His defense is not all that great. Duffy's better at second base when it comes to that, but um, his bats, I think, more livelier. Yeah, I mean, his 2022 stats here, uh, 26 at-bats, 10 hits, no home runs, 4 RBIs, 2 stolen bases, batting 385 with a 529 on base percentage. Yeah. He'd be a nice little player. Okay, cool. So you said that he so uh, you don't think that he'll be cracking many lineups to start the year? Do you think he makes a team out of camp? That's a big question. I hope okay. he does, but they might give it to Rojas or Mayfield. We'll have to just see. Because Mayfield had a nice spring, too. I know he drove in like 10 RBIs or something like that. So Well, Mayfield already made the team. Oh, he did? Okay, okay. Yeah, Captain Jack. I think they. I think I read today that he did. So uh, Jose Rojas, for anybody wondering or scoring at home, so uh, spring training, 27 at-bats, six runs, 12 hits, three home runs, eight RBIs, 444 average with a 545 on base percentage. Yeah, he's really trying to make the club. <laughs> yeah, I like Rojas, you know, because he's a local kid. But um, I don't. as of right now, obviously, we'll, after what we saw last year and the fact that he's always good in AAA and spring training, I just fear that he's going to be a 4A player. And I pray to God that I'm wrong. I hope he's not a 4A guy. But as of right now, that's my fear. Could be, yeah. He's like Roman Reigns, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, he's, he's just kind of always been there. And you're just kind of like, man, you gotta, you guys gotta do something with him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, don't, I don't want you to shove him down my throat, but I also, you know, want him to do something. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. You know, actually more than Roman Reigns he's more like Drew McIntyre. You know what I mean? Like Drew McIntyre had his big push, but he's probably just kind of a mid, a mid card guy. They tried to push Jose Rojas last year out of camp when he broke camp with the team. And he got his like you know one month up in the show, and then they kind of sent him back down. They 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 kind of gave him his big push, and he just didn't get it done. I would say he's more along the lines of Dolph Ziggler. Like they tried for years Ooh. with him to make him over the top, which I think his gimmick and everything could have went over the top, but for whatever reason, it didn't go. So maybe he's like Dolph Ziggler. I don't know. That's Hopefully, can... uh, the Angels with Jose Rojas don't pull a WWE kill off e, uh, Elias bring him back as Ezekiel <laughs> after he's quote unquote dead. So let's yeah. hope they don't do that with Roa. Right. <laughs> I don't know how they would quote unquote kill him, but you know, let's try not to think about that. They don't make headlines. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. And, oh my God. He's not by God. That's Jose Rojas's music. <laughs> Stop the damn match. <laughs> hey, what's up guys? Randy here, AKA fast times under the halo. I just want to get my predictions like the boys did. Um, I honestly think, uh, 
I think it's going to be a breakout year for the team. I mean, I think we put together a really, really good squad, especially that bullpen. Uh, we got some guys that are fully healthy, Trout, Rendon. Um, Record-wise, if healthy, I mean, if we can stay healthy for the most part, I see 93 wins. So we'll go 93 and 69. Um, and I honestly think if we can go 93 and 69, I think that might be good enough for the division. <laughs> I'm going to get ripped for that one. <laughs> but we're definitely making the postseason. Let's just put it that way. Um, breakout players. Uh, start with the pitching department. Um, let's go with Sandoval. I mean, before he got hurt, that kid was pitching lights out, man. So I think if he could stay healthy, I think Sandoval is going to show you, you know, that he's a top of the rotation kind of guy. Um, he's got the stuff. Um, he's a great fucking teammate. I mean, you could tell the guys love him in there. Um, so if, like I said, if he could stay healthy, yeah, I think, I think Sandoval's going to have a hell of a fucking year this year. Um, position player, um, well, I don't know if anybody's going to agree with me on this one, but, uh, he had a pretty fucking good year last year, but I'm going to say Jared Walsh is really going to break out this year. Um, I mean, with a healthy Trout, a healthy Rendon, you got Otani in the lineup. I think, uh, excuse me, I think a Walsh is going to see all kinds of good fucking pitches. So let's, for Walsh, let's look closer to 30 home runs, 110 RBIs maybe. So that's my prediction, guys. Uh, hope you, hope you guys don't fucking kill me too much. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Go Angels. Okay, all right. So my record prediction, nowhere near as optimistic as yours, 89 and 73. Okay. So at 96 wins, I'm guessing you're probably predicting a division win. I'm predicting either a division or we miss it by a game. Like we're in the wild card okay. by – we fall we fall out of the division by one. Like we lose it to the Astros in the final week or something. Okay, you guys are about to hear Randy's prediction, but he's also predicting a division win. So I guess I'm the only one who's going straight for the wild card. At 89 wins, we have a chance at the division. Honestly, it's going to depend on who the Astros turn out to be. Mm -hmm. They've lost George Springer. They've now lost uh, Carlos Correa. Those are two big pieces. And no Zach Greinke either. Exactly. Who knows what Justin Verlander is going to be for them? He could be the worst pitcher in baseball or he could return to somewhat of a shell of himself where he's still decent enough to help them out but i excuse me i don't think he's going to go back to being an ace and they still got valdez and mccullers so those are two good two good starters so you know i don't know what's going to happen with them you know i I don't think seattle's as ready as people think they are and they're not very deep if somebody gets hurt there they're going to have to hope that one of their young guys from triple a comes up and makes an immediate impact and then you have what the the rangers they have a half a billion dollar infield cool bro that's not going to help you and then they got john gray who's at least a solid starting pitcher Mm -hmm. um and then you know you have oakland who's obviously going to be in the cellar have fun down there god damn we kept it warm for you for a while (laughs) no kidding but they well texas did they they sold off that entire damn roster godly yeah, no, I mean, they they went balls deep on a rebuild. They sure we're, did. We're talking like my Arizona Coyotes, and we're going in for a rebuild. <laughs> the same thing with them. They kept, like, what, Tony Kemp? And That's then about- that – who's that one guy, um, the steroid guy in left field who kills us every time, or is it center? Lariano? Yeah, Lariano, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally kills us every time. So, yeah, well, that's, like, really was- the only people they kept. If it wasn't for the roids, I'm pretty sure he would have been dealt, too. Yeah, maybe. So Okay, so yeah, 89 and 73. I think we're probably going to make the wild card with that. I like um, that. My uh, you look out for pitcher is going to be Jose Suarez. I think he's going to solidify himself as a number two, number three guy going forward. I think he's wow. going to try to prove to the team next year that they don't need to go out there and get a big starter. Maybe they bring back Noah Syndergaard on another, you know, 
maybe a multi-year deal at about 25 a year. Who knows, depending on how he does. But I think Jose Suarez is going to be like, hey, I mean, Patrick Sandoval is good, but can he do this? Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a friendly competition between them two. Because if you watched his little, like, um, mic'd up video where he's like, El Demente, yeah. he was all talking about, like, um, you know, him and pa- Patrick Sandoval were like boys. You know, they were, like, having conversations. Yeah. They were talking the whole game. They are calling each other papi. You know what I mean? So... Well, yeah, I think I, they're going to have a competition together. I would like them to turn into the the next Finley Langston because that's how Finley Langston were. So I picture Suarez as Langston and Sandoval like Finley. I think we're in a good position right now uh, as a team. We have Adele and Marsh who are bullies. Yep. They're they're constantly competing against each other in a good way, right? You know, they yep. say all the time that they have friendly competition. Jose Suarez and Patrick Sandoval, maybe that's a duo there. I don't exactly know what the Lorenzen Cindergard dynamic is, mm-hmm. but I've seen them together. And from what I hear, they hang, you know, they do coexist very well. They're both very good clubhouse guys. So maybe since they're the two new guys on one-year deals, okay, maybe they challenge each other. Okay, and not to mention we also have a three-way challenge in the sense of Rendon, Trout, Otani. Three MVP candidates. Trout is probably pissed. I don't think, you know, Trout's a pretty emotionless guy, but when was the last time Trout was ever written off? Honestly, my dad made the comment himself when he was looking at the Angels promotional um, um, poster when he was over this weekend. He told me, man, the Angels really wrote Trout off really quick. There's no Trout bobbleheads this year. Yeah, there's not. There's not much of anything Trout-related. And I'm sure when we go to the stadium on Thursday, there's going to be a lot of Otani stuff. There'll probably, there's of course going to be Trout stuff, but I feel like a lot of it's going to be replaced by Otani stuff. Mm-hmm. Trout's not an egotistical maniac, but everybody to an extent has a little bit of an ego. Like, and it's not a negative thing. I don't think he's going to go around and be like, hey, yo, Otani, F you. But <laughs> how do you go from being the GOAT? Everybody called him the GOAT to, you're now the number two player in baseball and the organization. Well, you don't get any bobbleheads. You you barely get any promotions <laughs> given out of you. And I'm sure the gift shop's gonna have a couple of trout stuff. Yeah, cool, bro. The trout section's over there, and then it's like eighty percent Otani stuff. Well, that's that's why I want to see this turn into the Bash Brothers, a friendly competition to where they're hitting home runs and doing their own handshakes because they're trying to one up each other, but in a good way, like you said. Of course, of course. So so and like- you still have Rendon, who you know was is a dark horse MVP candidate as well. We've never seen a healthy or full season of Rendon. We have the ability to see that. Don't believe me? Go ahead and uh, message one of our biggest supporters, Nats fan. She'll tell you all about how Rendon's a great player. The highlights are there. So I'm hoping that we get that Rendon because if we do, this team is going to be good. Well, I heard an interview. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, please. I just heard an interview with him or on that video, like, you know, when that injury, the, the hip replacement injury or the, the uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, he's, you know, these players come off and play really good. And I think, like you said, he looks like a 2019 form already in spring training. So if we get that Rendon, we haven't had that the first two years. And then we're forgetting about Jared Walsh, who's an all-star. Yeah. I call them the core four. If the core four is tearing it up, watch out. You know, they're yeah. going to be feeding off each other. And and Otani and Trout are going to be giving great pitches and get to Walsh and Rendon, so they're going to be yeah. able to to just take advantage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, my bat, I hadn't explained that. Well, give me a second. Uh, my bat, the guy who I want to say watch out for. I think now that he's kind of getting the keys to the fourth outfield spot, watch out for Taylor Ward. Mm-hmm. Taylor Ward has had a good spring and his batting average is kind of, I mean, you know, 289 is respectable, three home runs. But the thing I will say, he looks really sharp in his at-bats. His swing, a lot more compact, straight to the ball, follows through nicely. It's a nice, crisp, clean swing right now. This is the best version of Taylor Ward I've ever seen. And the Taylor Ward party is about to be over. The Luis Renjifo experiment is seemingly over. Yeah. So I don't think Taylor Ward wants to be that next guy. Taylor Ward was uh, Billy Epler's first draft pick. So Taylor, that puts it into perspective for you. 
So I think Taylor Ward kind of understands that his time here is running out very quickly. So he needs to solidify himself or he's going to get DFA'd, traded, or just outright released. I agree. I agree. You know, because DFA, you have like a 10-day period where they kind of figure out what to do with you. But yeah, I don't even know if they'd give that. They'd probably be like, deuces, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do like what he can provide. I really do think he has what it takes to, to stay on the major league ball, uh, roster for sure. Time will tell. It's going to be a fun season. And, uh, but, uh, okay. So before we wrap up, I have one question for you that, uh, you know, I, I didn't prep you for, cause I want to get your full raw opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've watched the opening day video. So you kind of know what opening day means to me. Mm-hmm. What does opening day mean to you? Be as sappy as you want. Okay. Uh, I can think of this right away. Uh, I remember as a kid in high school, a little before uh, I graduated and even in middle school, um, we used to play baseball with a lot of the, my friends in the neighborhoods or from different schools. We would just in the summertime, pick a random Saturday, a random day, like on a Friday or Thursday. And it would be like in the, in the summertime when we're all out of school and you get to the baseball field and there's still a, a dew on the ground and the sun's not up yet. We're playing a game like at nine, 10 in the morning till like one o'clock till it gets hot. And then we all go out and get, you know, to, to, to get a burger or something like that and hang out the feel, the smell, the grass, the playing on the field, getting dirty, the talking crap with the, with the opposing players, the camaraderie. It feels like that walking into angel stadium as a fan. And it also brings back the memories of my first times walking in with my dad as a kid and seeing the stadium for what it was as a kid and seeing how gigantic everything looked, how the players looked bigger than life. If they got, if you got their attention or if my dad got their attention, I thought he was a hero for talking to them or, or for, you know, stuff like that. And, and just the roar of the crowd everything all those emotions come back and even when i would go as far as when i first you know got my job and everything was working and everything as a you know past a teenager i would take opening day off and just watch you know the opening first games on the mlb network all the way up you know to the angels played because i wanted to get that feel and see across the country the the, the fans reacting to their team playing their first game. And there's just a special feeling because every team is alive, no matter who you are, you can watch Pittsburgh play an opening day and how beautiful that ballpark is. You know, they're trash in the long run, but <laughs> that day they believe they're going to go to the world series. And I think that is the greatest thing with baseball. It's that hope for the new season. It's that the thing that brings back all the memories of your passion for playing the game. That's uh, that's as sappy as I can go, but that's what it does to me every opening day. I mean, I kind of already talked about it in the video there, but um, for me, I think it's just kind of like you said, you know, it's the new hope. It's the this is the first day of many. It's the finally seeing a nice green patch of grass. Mm-hmm. It's especially this year. It's going to feel different. I'm not super emotional, Mm -hmm. but something tells me that this year, it might be a little different. Like something tells me because, you know, it's been so long because of the pandemic where we've had a actual opening day. It feels like a completely different lifetime. Mm -hmm. The world is so much different today than it was, you know, three years ago. Absolutely. You know, for the first time I get to take my family to opening day. Normally I'm the only one that goes with like my friends or whoever. Mm-hmm. I've never taken my kid. I've never taken my fiance to opening day. So it's going to be really nice to experience that with them. It'll be his first opening day. It'll be the day after his birthday. So, you know, everything that comes with that is just going to be awesome. You know, I've experienced it with my dad growing up. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking forward to giving him that experience as well. Uh, you know, it sucks. It's going to be like a hundred degrees, but uh, <laughs> man, like. Well, it can't be thing, perfect. Exactly. <laughs> But even with that, I think it will be because of everything else that comes with the day. You know what I mean? The thing with like every other sport is they have the first game of the season, mm-hmm. but no other sport has an opening day. No other sport has an opening night. They have the first game of the season. Even like a marquee Sunday night football game 
is not like going an opening day baseball game. You go to an opening day baseball game and I don't, there's no pressure. It's like the one day a year where even if people hate Artie Moreno, when they introduce him, like most of the time he still gets an applause, even though people hate him. (laughs) Just because that day is just full with so much like good vibes and like emotion. It's just like, you just kind of get swept up in, you know what I mean? Exactly. Mm -hmm. The people, the five people who've already seen the opening day video, like I said, at this point, everyone's seen it. If you're watching this YouTube video. Yeah. Or you've listened to it in podcast form. The five people already listened have said like the video almost made them emotional because of, you know, the narration I did and because of the song in it, because of the clips, it just works together. And that like minute and 40 seconds perfectly sums up what opening day is. So, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed that video and I'm sure Todd and I both hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. It's a fresh start, the new hope. And, and, you know, this team can give us something to celebrate hopefully in October, and, you know, whether it's just making the playoffs, making a run or by God, if they can do it, get a world series, but we'll have to see. That's the not knowing of what's going to happen. And we're, we're going to take this one game at a time. We hope you join us this entire time, but there's one other thing we forgot. We got to run down uh, Randy's stuff before we get out of here. His predictions. Oh, I was going to insert it already. Oh, okay. It's going to be inserted, so they would have already heard it. Oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you were doing that. But, but yeah, that that's what we're doing on this network and for Halos in the infield. Um, you know, last year we jumped on this thing midseason, and we've grown with you, and you've grown with us, and you trust us, we trust you, and, and we've had a great relationship with the fans. So what we're looking forward to moving into this season is getting some winning baseball behind us. And if that happens, it's only going to make things much better, enjoyable for everybody. Because I think we spent most of the season frustrated last season and airing out and venting. We want to be able to praise because some people thought, man, you guys are too negative. But it's like, no, no, we get we get praise where it's due. It's just oh, yeah. there wasn't a lot of good praise to, to, to hash out last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I gave my props to Perry Manazzi multiple times because he built one of the best bullpens in baseball. Absolutely. On paper. So we'll see how it pans out, but it looks good so far. All right. Sounds good. If you got anything else, Fernando? Viva Los Angelitos, and let's hope we can prendalo multiple times this year. There you go. This has been Halo's Infield with Todd Fox and Fernando Mendez.